All right, guys, welcome back. Look, it's uh, it's one-on-one with Christian Harloff. It's back. And what a first guest to have. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's get right into it. It is direct, director of the brand-new film Capone, starring Tom Hardy. Josh Trank is here. Dude, it's so nice to finally get a chance. I know we, we've talked on the phone a few different times, but to virtual face-to-face, if you will. Um, and l- let's get into it, dude. How have you been? What's going on? I'm good. I'm just hanging out having uh just a lot of actually really fun interviews with really cool people about this movie that i love it's been it's been really interesting i mean the last uh my experience that i've had with junkets in the past um i was disinvolved from the uh, junkets on fantastic four for obvious reasons that were going on that we all know about but uh, Chronicle, I did a lot of interviews and I had really no idea how I was supposed to sell myself or talk about the movie. It was my first time with like, a, you know, cameras and interviews and all that. And what's so cool about this this time around is that it's a movie that I wrote from for such emotionally raw, purposeful reasons. And I was lucky enough to make it exactly the way that I wanted to with all of the best people who I could have ever dreamed of making a movie with and the conversations that I'm having with journalists and interviewers about it. We're talking about themes that are just very immediately important to me. So it's been for me, I've rather than it feeling like these sort of press junkets where it's like the, the cliche of like answering all the, you know, same questions over and over again, I feel like I'm getting something different out of, a similar set of questions because I also get to hear everybody else's uh, individual um, reactions to this movie and how they, what they took away from it. So it's been really cool. I'm glad because that's, I mean, again, we, we, we got a chance to briefly speak over the weekend. And and the first thing I had said to you, I said, this movie is crazy, man. I was like, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. And you said, so look, we have that kind of relationship that if you didn't, you can let me know. And I'm not going to, my feelings aren't going to be hurt. And I go, look, I'm telling you, and I'm the type of person I would tell you that when I went into this movie and I started watching and I said the same thing to you on the phone that I'll say here, Tom Hardy, I had to adjust to it first because, you know, he's he's really going into this descent into madness and you're watching it happen throughout the entire time. And but he's when he shows up and he's, he's, he sounds like a walker from like, you know, uh, The Walking Dead. And so I'm like, all right, I got I got to set and I got to get used to this. But then when you understand why and you understand because this movie, like I said, because I know Ryan Johnson had also said that it's it's batshit crazy. And it is. And, and, that's, and, and, and that's a compliment, certainly a compliment coming uh, from him. But it's a compliment because what you see with him, as I told you, I am very much um, uh, 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 there was a lot of things I knew about Capone. There was a lot I did not. Um, and I didn't know that he lived in a mansion in, in his last year. And this is what people need to know that this movie is the last year of his life living. this man watching this guy who basically had the capacity of like a, a mental capacity of like a 12 year old going through all this. So what I wanted to ask you about that is you were going through a lot in your life when you because I remember you talking about wanting to do something like this when all the when all the shit was going down. So. Did that part of your life, because everything that was going on, did that help steer you in this direction to write this about Capone? And did you think that those dark times, if you would call them dark times, that you were going through, do you think that helped you write this? Yeah, totally. I mean, I remember talking to you on the phone. I don't know if it was that weekend or if it was the day before something. It was definitely after the nuclear tweet that I made. It was the day before Um, and the day after, actually. Sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I, but I remember talking to you and I, I had, I had gangsters on my mind if for some reason. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, I think on some level, because I've always been a fan of, uh, of gangster history and the sort of like Dan Carlin sense of the fan of history, you know, like I, I'm, I'm a fan of reading about these people and, and, and about, just sort of all of their relationships and the, you know, the reasons why people got killed and, and why certain alliances were made and then broken and uh, the, all, all these sort of like Machiavellian circumstances and while what was happening was happening. And I was waking up in the morning and reading these, uh, you know, very, very detailed press reports about myself in 
you know, these really like, like really damaging stories about anybody, you know, like that, like those aren't good. It's not a good look for anybody. Um, I kept thinking about like, okay, well, who did it? Who, who, who's out to get me here? You know, like, cause a lot of the people who I, I think contributed to a lot of those stories for very, for very politically, um, uh, driven reasons. I think a lot of those, there are a lot of these people were, uh, those who I counted as close friends of mine. Mm. So I thought a lot about, you know, the old mantra of like, you know, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Right. And, you know, that it's usually your best friend or, you know, like, I mean, that scene at the, uh, toward the end of Goodfellas when Joe Pesci gets whacked oh, yeah. by the old timers and they yeah. walk him into the empty room and he's like, Oh no. And he gets shot in the back of the head. Yeah. Like just kept thinking about that. And the fact that on some level, I think a lot of, a lot of there's, there's a, there's a parallel to be drawn between the capos and the the heads of the of the mafia and kind of the way that massive corporations are run that they're these real sort of like unspoken alliances that are built between all of these people who are even in competition with each other but like at the end of the day they all need each other to survive and so a part of me while i was like felt on some level my identity was being assaulted (laughs) on a daily basis on film Twitter. And it is, look, it is what it is. Like, I know a lot of the, the thing that a lot of people have gotten from me because I, I look, I'm, I'm stupid. I, I read things that people say about me. I look up my name. I, I think by the way, most people do, it's not totally abnormal, but I think the perception is that I like it or I feel really bad for myself. And in the moment of all that happening, I definitely did. And I was hot and I was angry and defensive. The way I look at it now is like, it's just a lot more objective. So when I'm describing these things, just be, you know, just be aware that it's, these are not grievances that I'm airing. I'm just talking about what happened. Um, so what I was feeling at the time is like, there's a lot of this anger and stuff, but also this, I was having these sparks of like, um, I don't know, some intellectual interest in my head of like, I started just thinking about other stories that I had read and I just kept going back to the mafia, you know, like just how um, uh, people get taken out for specific reasons. Like, Hey, we can't, we, we, we can't let our cover be blown. So we all got a, a line and, and, and whack this guy in this circumstance, you know, and, and whatever. And, and again, you know, as far as like the names and the places and all that, they don't really matter at the end of the day. Like I'm not here to, uh, blame anybody or point any fingers. Like I know that, you know, ultimately on fantastic four, um, there's a majority blame that rests a hundred percent on my shoulders. I was the chosen director on that movie. It got out of my hands while I definitely did feel as passionate as I felt making Capone at that point in my life, I felt that passionate about what I was doing with the fantastic four for right or for wrong. It's what I felt at the time. I can't, I can't look back and alter history and say like, well, no, I felt this way or that way in order to like make it sound better now. Like it is what it is. I felt very committed to it. Um, so, you know, um, well, let's, let's, I want to add, but yep. no, when it, but but when it came down to sort of like you know the 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 idea of gangsters, I just was I was left with that feeling in my head, which it didn't really take shape until months after the fact and after you and I talked until right. I, I got to that place where Fonzo slash Capone was born. It, dude, but that comparison though of being in like the feeling like you were in the gangster world because you certainly can do that. You know, you're you're the hot. Let's say you're the you're the hot shot uh, hitman who's 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 coming up, and you you just you pulled off a job and you're like wow, look at this hot shot kid, and like he's he's he he can be he can be a boss. He could be a boss. Let's 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 bring him up here. Let's do that. And then it's like no 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 no, no. we gotta we we someone's got we got someone's got to take the hit. And then you point to the right, and there you are because. There's so many great comparisons to it, and I want to I want to start the path here because when we start with Chronicle and what you did and having because the, at that point when you're making that movie the fa- the found footage the fad was kind of a 
a big thing inside of the horror genre. And so what you did and turned it on on its head with putting it in the superhero genre right away that got the focus on you. Not not to mention, uh, did it have? Uh, it, it it was a very it was a great movie. It was it was a different movie. It had great, really great performances that then. That's where the focus then starts to really shine on you. And how old are you when you make that movie? 25, 25. when I sold it. Okay. Uh, we went into production when I just turned 27. Crazy. Um, so, yeah. So, all right. So you're, you're still, you're still, you're 20, 27, 20. You're this, yeah. So it's, it does really well. I remember seeing that movie, and Patton Oswalt was, was in the same theater in Fox when we were watching it. And he gets up and he goes, what a movie. Like afterwards, you know, they're super excited about it and everything too. And they're just like, okay, we know we got something on, on, they know they have something on their hands. So then this thing hits, it does very well. Everybody's talking about you. So tell me what your life becomes at that point. Because I think a lot of people obviously focus on what had happened with Fantastic Four. And we're definitely going to go into Capone and all that because I want to, I think that's going to be the, the, the really, to show the, the way back and what you accomplished from being here. I think it's a story that people should really know because everybody's been in dark times. Everybody's been in that place where, what do I do next? Do I just do I, do I throw my hands down and say this is it, or do I fight a new fight? And you clearly fought a new fight. And when you see the movie, you'll understand that. Um, but saying that, tell me what it was like. Chronicle hits, it it crushes. Um, what's the life like? What happens? What's the phone calls like? What, is it overwhelming? Is it like this is what I expected? What's it like? It was a. I mean, it was a combination of so many factors at once that was like partly. Um, you know, like when you step into any situation, like you take with you whatever it was that you had going on in your life into that situation. And then that that changes with you, you know, so uh, but then a lot of it stays the same. And so on, on one hand, I'm getting incoming calls from my agent uh, that this head of uh, production and this studio head and this producer wants to meet with you and all these huge names that like, you know, people who I grew up with, like, you know, uh, Denise Denovi and Joel Silver and all these titans of my youth that I I'd grown up seeing their names on the front of all of these iconic films that shaped like my childhood. And um, I had a, this incredible meeting with Tom Cruise at his house, which was lasted for quite a few hours. And it was like, I mean, it was absolutely surreal. Um, I had the chance to engage on so many different movies that uh were associated with massive franchises at all of these studios and it was like all of my dreams came true at once um but at the same time i like there were a lot of things that it uh, I, I was trying to process and you know one of them i haven't really talked about but you know it is what it is and i think it's important for people to just sort of like you know just deal with it in their own way. I mean, there was a certain amount of, um, uh, when I was much younger, around five or six, um, this sexual abuse that I, I had dealt with when I was a little kid, okay. um, that at that point in my life, I, when I was in therapy, um, I, hadn't, I hadn't talked about out loud, but it yeah. was something that I just sort of um, pushed down inside of me and I and I was afraid to talk about it because I was afraid that it would make me feel um, I don't know less of a man or that you know and times are very different now like I'd say even from 2012 I think that there's been this really uh, amazing sort of like public outcry for people to talk about abuse and to talk about these things and that it's okay and that our our ideas of masculinity in a public sense have been very much reshaped by a lot of events and open conversations. But, you know, it's, well, it's not important for me to like point a finger at who and because it isn't and that that's from my own, you know, for me to deal with in my own life. Um, it was me uh, coming to accept that that happened to me yeah. in therapy, literally right in that time period when the movie came out and while it felt good to say it out loud and it was the biggest like cry that I had had at that in my life up to that point in therapy. Um, it left me with 
I, I was not, I was, I was afraid to talk about it to anybody else. Yeah. And, but it was something that I wanted to talk about. And I, but I just was afraid that in this sort of new light of um, incoming business at the highest levels, that it, that if I had mentioned to anybody in like a meeting with Warner brothers, with the president of production talking about, you know, this like, you know, $200 million franchise or something. And all I really wanted to do in that moment was just be a little bit vulnerable about this personal life thing. My biggest fear was just like, they're going to think, uh, they're going to think I'm crazy or, you know, like they're going to, like, I just didn't want anybody to think that ironically, I didn't want anybody to think that uh, there were any kinks in my armor, which the more I held on to that, the worse it, the worst of a psychological create uh, situation created for me. And as I had mentioned in that, you know, Matt Patch's piece, and I hadn't discussed the, what I'm discussing right now in that piece, um, it resulted in me punching walls yeah. behind closed doors a lot. I had a lot of anger. Um, I was dealing with a lot of insomnia. I was having these just dreams of, which is what led me to uh, be able to open up about it in therapy. Um, it was something, it was a memory that I had, uh, had happened, it, it, something that had happened to me numerous times when I was under the age of six. And I, I had suppressed it at some point um, when I was like maybe in middle school because it, it wasn't anything that really made physical sense to me until I was in my late 20s. Um, and once, I realized that these kind of dreams and memories and feel and like literally I could still feel what had happened to me as an adult. Um, once I, I, I accepted it for what it was, I couldn't stop replaying it in my head and sure. it messed with me really bad. And the last thing that I wanted to do in that moment while everything was occurring and all this success and all my dreams were coming true was to tell everybody that I needed a, a, a mental breather that I need to stop to just like think, you know, cause I didn't want people to think I was crazy right. when in reality, I don't think there, I think it would have been probably the best, most honest thing for me to have done to just be like, Hey, I'm dealing with this right now and I'm okay. I will be okay, but I need to just process this and I'll be back in the game in a moment. Right. But yeah, for my but, own sake. But that's hard also because you got you have that added pressure because like you said, yeah. you, you delivered on this big movie. And then I'm I'm sure that a lot like you're talking about with the with the walls and all this, it came up through uh, Fantastic Four and while you're while you're doing these things, like there, I'm sh I'm sure because the pressure you it's it's out there that you didn't there you didn't see eye to eye with the with the producers of what they wanted to do. So also so that couple that plus the fact that at the same time you had been signed to do star wars movies so there's all this added pressure plus you're going through all this stuff that no one really knows about which i, I agree with you maybe it, it would have been better to talk about so people knew what you were going through at the time but that's a lot for any human being to, to be going through and that's like so you definitely um were able to use that you can tell in this movie because I have so many different questions, but to, 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 to channel it here because of what you went through and I guess similar to what I just asked you before about everything that you went through um, in the studio system, feeling kind of betrayed and like that hit was there. But did you use a lot of that stuff where you were inside your head for all those years that you could finally put all that frustration, that anger? Because that I mean, Tom Hardy is I mean, he's he's an explosive actor in general. But he's really channeling something besides just Capone in this movie. There's more. There's there's a message of like you, you like it's the it's it's watching someone descent into their own mind and watching what's going on because it's not just about the fact that he had syphilis and that you know this this medicine made him go nuts. That's there and that obviously is. But that's not what it is. It's about the demons that are inside that are coming out that are coming back in there that are haunting him through insanity. And there's a thing that's in here. You guys will see it immediately. And I told you this. Uh, the other day the shining you can tell that there's a i at least thought and maybe you can confirm this but there, there's a moment that looked like it was inspired like you know from uh from the from at least uh the movie the shining yes um yeah, so subconsciously so i mean yeah. it was like i was telling you it it was something that because the vibe of that movie and and just the works of kubrick uh itself like it was so, so much a part of my own self film education like you know, when you write things, you can't help but subconsciously uh, have all these influences seep into your own work. Yeah. You know?
Yeah. So um, getting this cast, because looking at this cast, it's awesome with, with uh, Linda Cardellini, uh, Tom Hardy, uh, Matt, uh, Matt Dillon. Yeah. And that, that's just that's just a, a handful. So the question the question I had, though, because you're going through Hollywood is a is a strange town. It's they are they, they, they love you when they love you and they kick you when you're down. Um, when you were you're you're coming off of, let's say, in sports terms, you're coming off a loss. Yeah. With with the things that had happened with uh, with Fantastic Four and losing Star Wars, so is it a hard sell um, once you write this movie? And I don't know what your relationship if you had a personal relationship with Tom and Linda and all these people. Is it a hard sell to reach out and say, "Look, this is," or, or maybe it's your agent saying, "This is his comeback thing. This is the thing that we want him to shine." And he's passionate about it. And he's he wrote this thing. He's edited this thing. He's ready to go. How how what's the sell like to get these people in the movie if there was one at all? You know, it, it, there wasn't so much of a, a sell there as it was the fact that the script existed in the first place. And if any, if anybody had written that script, it didn't matter that it was me. The fact that that script existed, as it was originally titled Fonzo, if it had been Christian Harloff that had written Fonzo and Tom Hardy's agent read it, and, you know, it would have been the same outcome. With my name on it, I doubt it. Any, no, but with anybody's name, because yeah, what yeah. happened is I, I, I had these uh, uh, two producers who I work with who are wonderful, um, John Schoenfelder and Russell Ackerman, um, who were involved with me on the script since I, well, I was about like halfway uh, done writing it. And this was in the uh, late, uh, this was like winter of 2015. Um, they passed the script along to Tom Hardy's agent. He read it. Uh, and came back to us and said, you know, I feel like Tom is really going to dig this. And he has a, a window uh, possibly next year to, to slip this in. Um, why don't I send it over to him? So he sent it to him. Tom read it the very next day, which is crazy. Cause I was just, I didn't want to get my hopes up. Tom's one of my favorite actors. I, I didn't have any prior relationship with him. I'd never met him before. Um, it's just a fan of his from afar. And uh, he, he read the script the next day and asked if he can get my phone number. He calls me up the next day and we were on the phone for, I mean, uh, definitely over six hours. It was wow. uh, all day. I remember I woke up and then by the time we were off the phone, the sun was just kind of coming down a bit and we just connected on every conceivable level, like just in, 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 in all the right ways. And, and the aura of, of, Tom Hardy is, you know, Bane and, right. uh, you know, the craze and Bronson. When he called me up on the phone, uh, it was early in the morning. It was London over where he was calling. I was in Los Angeles and I answered like, oh, shit, it's Tom Hardy. I picked up the phone and he was like, oh, I'm sorry. Did I, did I wake you up? And that to me was just so that was all I needed to say here to, to know what that this was a human being I was talking to, yeah. not Bane. You know, right. Right. His, his, his the first thing Tom Hardy wanted to know was that I disturb you from your slumber. You know, <laughs> in the sweetest, most genuine way. Although and he then, he could do that in a movie and also be equally terrifying if you see him. Exactly, do <laughs> totally. I mean, but he's just a just nice, sweet, kind, open-minded dude, and he didn't know anything about Fantastic Four. He had never seen Chronicle. Mm. Um, I was a little bit for a while after fantastic four came out and once i started to re-engage with people after you know once tom came aboard and i'd start meeting people um and and rounding out a cast and, and crew um there was at the forefront of my mind a little bit of nerves about am i you know do i need to answer for this and i was just shocked and i was pleasantly surprised to discover that nobody cared yeah it it the actors like the ones we're talking about, Linda Cardellini, Matt Dillon, Kyle McLaughlin, and all Fisher, these they're not reading gossip. They're not reading the trades. They're not they're not paying attention to these things. Um, some of them had seen Chronicle and loved it and then just didn't bother to see Fantastic Four for the obvious reasons. And part partly why is because everybody has had their Fantastic Four on some level. Yeah. Every, Tom has had his Fantastic Four situation. Linda, Matt Dillon, any of the anybody who's been around in Hollywood for long enough has had a Fantastic Four. And the reason why, for me, I was afraid that it would be this like 
you know, elephant in the room is because of the peculiar amount of publicity that it received because of its status as this massive franchise disaster. So once I started to talk to everybody and I realized nobody cared, uh, I gave myself permission to just let go of it and just focus on the work ahead. Good for you. And it seems like so. And and, is, and it also it that transferred over on set, because I, like you said, like you hear, I never buy into all the gossip until you hear it from somebody's mouth. But, you know, you even heard like Tom Hardy had said that um, when he was working on Mad Max, that him and uh, Charlize Theron didn't necessarily get along with a particular vision that that they had. But even he realized afterwards, though, the way that it was, he, you know, he, I think he apologized for it. I don't remember what it was. Either way, you hear certain things certain times, but um it all depends on a vision. It seems like you guys from being on the phone six hours and everything else were locked into what this movie was going to be, how he was going to portray it, yeah. how he wanted to portray it. So it seems like the filming itself went pretty good, really pretty great in this movie. We had so much fun. I yeah. mean, like I've been texting and having phone calls with a lot of crew and a lot of cast over the last couple of days because there was a bit of, you know, there was a bit of delay with this movie finally being released. So now everybody uh who i worked with on the movie we're all now kind of like remembering all these fun stories and just little anecdotes and stuff like that and it was so much fun like i was so sad on our last day i mean usually even if you're working on a movie or you're having a great time and you know it's it's a physically and mentally ch a challenging gig for anybody working on a film set where it's like you know almost like 20 hour days sometimes seven days a week for months on end and but I, I think everybody was pretty sad on that last day because it was just, we all felt like this little family at the end. We got to make this crazy movie, um, you know, where we got to see Tom Hardy doing things that we just all knew, like, one day somebody's going to see this and it's going to be nuts. And, oh, yeah. and how sweet he was. And it, it just felt like this little theater company. And there was no ego uh, anywhere on the set um I, I just love that when you know tom arrived in louisiana and all of our actors we all got together at a big table outside and just hung out and laughed and just opened up about our lives to each other and um the way that tom was with me or with linda or anybody else he was with any other member of the cast or the crew and it was just really inspiring like everything that went wrong on fantastic four is where everything went right on Capone. So well, we had a blast. Yeah, man. Is that also because, and again, going back to that conversation we had years ago, it's that you wanted to step back from the big budget um, studio movie thing, be able to make the movie the way you wanted to make it work on your thing. Is that partially what it is too? Because it's like, it's the, it's the smaller budgets. I always say that it's, it's the smaller yeah. budget that you're able to focus on character and focus on the story because there's a pressure on the big studio films. You know, it's, I, I, don't, I hate to be one of those people cause I'm not that says like, Oh, there's no real quality in the big budget movies. Cause there is, there's certain, there's a lot yeah, of, sure. into it. there's a, there's an art to it. There's a magic to it, but it's also, you are allowed to really focus a little bit more on character um, in these movies and story and the smaller ones is kind of what you expect. So is that partially because these the actors like they like they like to really get their their hooks into something with some some meat into it? And that's yeah. First of all, where's that pinstripe suit? How do I get my hands on? It? It's amazing. It's, it's somewhere in uh, I don't know, in a warehouse somewhere. I could probably track it down. Dude, that thing is the best. Yeah. It reminds it's me like, of yeah. John Mattingly back in the day had a had a picture where he had the hitman. He had this pinstripe suit on. I thought about it immediately. But um, so where where was the decision to take him to this kind of because he's and I think that it's because Capone was a monster. His family suffered for it. They had to change their last names and, and everything after he he passed and the hiding of all this money, but he but he was a monster during the, his times alive. Was the was that the the point? Because he 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 Tom Hardy portrays like someone who's almost not human in this movie um right. that that was the decision how did how did that come across with your conversations with tom how to portray capone in this movie well well to your first question um uh, before that because i it's i think it's a really like kind of interesting point to discuss about sort of the difference between uh the vibe that everybody has on a smaller budget yeah. movie versus yeah. a bigger budget movie and one of the biggest differences is you know, everybody's being paid a lot of money on a big budget movie, relatively speaking. So, you know, certainly there are a lot of filmmakers and a lot of films that like, 
you know, for instance, a Star Wars movie, I'm sure there are plenty of people in the world who would happily go direct or star in a Star Wars movie for free. And it would not be like without question. Right. Right. But the the reality is, is like no matter how passionate you are on any like giant budget film, there's a there's a lot of money that uh, that everybody is being paid that justifies sort of like the long hours or the longer hours. And but when you're working on a smaller budget movie, what's interesting is everybody who's there is taking a pay cut to a degree because they're first and foremost so passionate about being involved in this pro in this project whatever that project is on a smaller budget that they're going to you know uh uh that they're going to give up on other opportunities that they have to make more money to be a part of it so there's an extra special passion that goes into those smaller budget movies so you do have a different level of uh summer camp magic about it when you're making those kind of movies and you can't help but be closer to everybody because ultimately if you're working on a massive budget movie, uh, you know that you are are replaceable to a certain degree, as kind of sad as that sounds. Like, everybody is pretty much replaceable. But if you're on a smaller budget movie, nobody is replaceable. Right. It's not or it's not easy to replace somebody on a smaller budget movie. Um, sorry, but I wanted to just say that because yeah, I, no, I sure. think that's oh, right. an yeah. interesting thing. But uh, as to um, sort of the grittiness of... of the character that Tom was engaging with in this film and, and kind of how we handled that. It didn't come so much from like, like us narrowing down a series of uh, adjectives as to like, you know, how much we wanted him to be this or that. Mm -hmm. It really just came from uh, sort of, you know, for Tom Hardy to, you know, synthesize the emotions of this character on the page and, uh, you know, kind of like what, like in in this sort of like feral way, like how he would be reacting to everything from the POV of like, as you were saying before, Al Capone at that stage in his life was bordering on the mentality of, uh, of a child's mind yeah. um, and the capacity of a child's mind. And while we didn't go all the way there in that sense, we didn't like totally transform him into a child. I mean, in the second half of the movie, uh, post-stroke he's working off of very very little but there's a little rehab to it um, uh, that we kind of see take place so he's able to talk a little bit better after a couple of scenes post-stroke um, th- this is a very like in- uh, instinct driven emotional performance from Tom it's very much coming out of like you know I mean especially about halfway through the film where he's convinced that He's another person who has possibly been kidnapped and he's afraid that they're going to catch on to him, that he's not really who they think he is. Right. Um, And as uh, Kevin McCarthy, who I was talking to a few days ago, pointed out, he was like, yeah, he was acting. And I thought, and that was true. That was kind of what it was. It was like, he was, as his character, he was acting as Al Capone to throw off everybody who thinks he's Al Capone and he doesn't think he's Al Capone. Right. So there's a lot of like multi-layer stuff going on there. It's that was really fun to just sort of play with on set. Yeah. Because it's funny because like you, you re- there's, there's, it's very hard to make him sympathetic at all when you know all the stuff that he's done, but it's hard not to feel bad for somebody when they're going through that kind of mental torture. It's, it's, right it's impossible even though this guy was a was a full-on criminal monster everything about it i mean he was just a bad dude but like you're, you're watching this i don't want to give away stuff in the movie but there's certain things that happen to there's a scene with him there's a few scenes with him and linda uh where, where there's just something that happens out on the balcony of something yeah. and and you're like oh man it's like he deserves that but yet does he really know even what the f- what's going on right now? It's, it's so that was that was a, that was a. I think that's it's it's a hard thing to pull off. Linda is so good in that scene. Just yes. the whole movie and that scene was so emotional, and you know, there was uh, what what's cool with Tom is, uh, you know, sometimes 
because it's you know it's always like okay you look at like tom cruise and he does all of his own stunts like and, and stuff like that which is really really incredible but also it's all, uh, very alarming too because yeah. you don't want to lose your number one on the call sheet like that's right. a big deal and now he's going out of space um, movies yeah but there were some stunts in this movie it's not like a movie you watch and you it's like on the surface you go this is like a really stunt heavy movie because it's, it's not but there were a few falls that he has where he lands on his head and he only required the slight the, the slightest like half inch quarter inch pad to do it with and i was even i was really concerned like is that can you you hit that and he was like no i got it and he'd smack his head right on that mat take the fall sell it and which is just I mean, wa- watching Tom do things like that is just, it's, I mean, it's, it's part of why we're so lucky to be able to do this, to just see people like that do what they do. I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this because you've said many times that the whole reason you wanted to do this movie was to show the the last year of his life, to show what he was going through at that time. But I have to be honest, as I'm watching it, and as much as I really enjoyed watching this because it's the story you wanted to tell, I'm like, oh man, Tom Hardy as Capone in his prime. I mean, like I would, I would kill to see that. I would kill to see like almost like a prequel. Is that ever discussed? Mm-hmm. Ever thought of? We always like joked about it on set, and you know, look, man, as a huge fan of Tom Hardy myself, uh, obviously, I would love to see that. I would love to see Tom embody that and see that period of his life. And I know that there's uh, obviously a lot of people that are going to be disappointed that this movie isn't that, that movie. And, and I get it because it's, it's too compelling. It's too compelling of a, of a combination. Um, especially with the level of power that Tom commands and there's just commitment um, and ability to disappear into these roles. But I, I don't know if that's really even what the kind of movie he wanted to make yeah. because to do something like this, to have a window into an icon of this stature and a window into his life at this time of just physical deterioration and sort of last year when all of the, all of the guilt and all of the trauma and all of the, the memories are just resting there in front of his eyes. Like that's just that that's much more interesting from, uh, from his point of view as well as it was mine. Um, And I'm, 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 I, I, I feel like, I feel like we covered it quite thoroughly. Yeah. Um, And it's, well, it was a personal story for you too, as you said in the beginning of what you were going through at the time when you wrote it and then the follow up and then um, the way back, if you will. And so this is, so this was, this was your, your piece. And you can tell like the, I I saw a lot of that stuff and that passion that you were talking about inside of what I saw in Chronicle, what I saw in this movie. Is this something, do you want to still play in the, uh, in in the big studio film pond? Or would you say, no, I I like what I'm doing here on these movies. I'm at least for the time being, I'm sticking here. I, I don't know. I mean, it, I think obviously anybody who's watching this is going to have their opinion as to whether or not um, I would des- I would deserve that or if I should you know be given a chance and and that's perfectly fine because I I, I understand and I I know that you know if if I if I weren't me I don't know if, how I would even feel about me just because you know like it anybody who has the opportunities to do to engage in in these incredible projects, these huge movies, like the last thing you want to see is somebody like that, like squander uh, or appear to squander those opportunities because it's going to make you mad. And I, and I know that that's what it looked like on that level. Um, For me, where I'm at now, um, I feel much more driven to just, focus on working with the right people who see what I see as, as at the same time that I see it, like Tom Hardy and I work really, really well together. Yeah. Um, it's the producers who I worked with on Capone. We work really well together. We have the same interests. Um, everybody who I collaborated with on Capone, it was just like, we all were working toward the same movie at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, that's what I want to be doing. And whether or not that means it's at that's at a studio level or a big studio level or on an indie level 
it, that's not so important to me as it is the right combination of people and that we're all inspired to make something that means something to all of us that will then hopefully mean something as much to everybody who's watching it. I mean, because like I always try to say and remind myself it's that, you know, filmmaking and film watching are both similarly personal experiences. Yeah. Well, you know? when you're doing and they are uh, when and being able to work with a team that you feel comfortable with is probably one of the reasons that you feel so comfortable that you want to do you want to be out there doing uh pr and you want to be out there kind of telling your story because you feel confident and you want to talk about the movie you want to you, it comes yeah. out, it comes out tomorrow right vod comes out tomorrow vod um i still need to find out so that i can share with everybody the exact dates for when it's going to be hitting all the other territories internationally yeah. but i don't know off the top of my head right now how do you so especially in this crazy era and COVID and all this crap, like how how do you measure like and what's your conversations like? How do you guys measure success with uh with you know VOD numbers and where it comes out and how I mean I would already say because the the, the strange thing is because of the stuff of that you went through with Fantastic Four and Star Wars and all that too, your name because people are like, oh what's he saying now? It's like, but it's inside of that. You're promoting this movie, and everybody knows about it. And everybody knows about Capone. Like it's not like right. it's, a lot of these smaller movies don't get this kind of shine. And it's ironically because of the shit that went down years ago, and now it gets to shine this light on this crazy fun movie. Um, but what's the measure of success? You know, digitally, what are the conversations like? Um, I haven't really had those conversations to know what it's a bit new. It's a it's it's a bit of a new frontier, I guess. I mean, well, for me, um, so I don't know how they count how they count the numbers in a in a similar way to how they would with box office receipts um but i know that uh trolls world tour yeah was like they basically were able to tally up how much money it made through vod rentals that it like made a shit ton of money yeah. um so i i don't know i mean we'll we'll certainly find out for me i'm just uh i'm just happy to for, for this movie to be seen. I mean, the original plan before COVID was uh, vertical was going to do a release of between 300 to 500 theaters um, in uh, domestically in the United States. And then uh, about a month later is when uh, San Francisco announced the lockdown and it became more obvious that it was going to happen. And I, for me, I just kind of, I'm like, you know, the whole world is changing right now. I think this has changed everybody's mentalities. And I, I mean, it would be the, the best, the bet in the best of circumstances, you want people to watch uh, the film that you worked on in a massive theater with great sound and, and everything that you mixed on on a mix stage and, and, and in DI. That's not the case here, but I mean, a lot of TVs are in, are in 4K or at least in 1080p. And, uh, you know, I would just encourage everybody at home to, to watch it on their biggest possible screen. And um, yeah. Well, it's also that's that's the, even even before COVID, this has been a conversation. I'm sure as a filmmaker, it's a, you, you always want to see your movies put into theaters. But with the age of streaming and everything the way it is, it's like you might even have more of a shot of people seeing your movie because sure. uh, yeah. small movies because of the streaming possibilities. And it actually leads me to my next uh, question here with streaming. And everything that's uh, so much great content out there on all these streaming platforms is television a thing that you'd want to jump into now? Like after, because I'm sure like, you know, you're going to have more conversations with other people. Like I said, Hollywood's a forgiving town when, you know, especially when you put out a movie like this, people are going to, are going to take notice and they're going to say, all right, Josh, let's, let's have some conversations. Is TV something you want to do? Totally. I mean, what's great about television. And like, I remember when I was watching the Irishman, which I, I loved, obviously. I mean, I mean it's like a, regretful tweet about that where I was comparing it to Marvel stuff, which I apologize. Oh. But um, I, when I was watching the Irishman, one thing that struck me about it is like how uh, possibly much more effective that would have been and interesting for Martin Scorsese. If we got to see that as fleshed out as like maybe a 10 part mini series, as opposed to right. you know, like almost four hour long movie. Um, and a lot of the stories that I, am thinking about and I'm working on are, you know, a few of them I'm jotting out as limited series ideas, some of which I'm working on with Tom Hardy. Um, but it is definitely, uh, I think a great avenue to explore, uh, if you are a storyteller 
in you know engrossed with the nuances of 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 human behavior because you can spend a lot more time showing things that ultimately you you'll be testing people's patience in the duration of a, a film right you know? and, that's, and that's kind of where so for example like star wars right we know that yeah. and this is this is the interesting thing where um you know tomorrow morrison just got announced well and he's not announced but Hollywood reporter saying he's going to be there is Boba Fett. And obviously, we know that you've talked right. about it with Boba Fett. Boba Fett has been in the works for them to want to bring back one way or another. Um, right. and now they seem to be doing it inside the uh, this particular uh, medium. I have said for a while that I believe that Star Wars should be now told on television for everything that you just said. The, the to, Yeah, the ability to expand that out. So um, I don't know what the current, uh, and I know there's only so much you can say through NDAs and stuff too. I don't know what the current relationship is with Lucasfilm, but if they wanted you to come in and work on certain ideas that you had with Boba Fett on Mandalorian, is Mandalorian something that you'd want to work with because of storytellers like a Favreau and Dave Filoni running the ship over there? I mean, I don't, I, it's, it's quite a hypothetical, it's yeah. quite a hypothetical question. Um, well, first of all, I totally agree. I mean, I think what, the the very the very sort of like the nature of Star Wars tonally is um, serialized, like you know, episode four, episode five, episode six. So it it's a really really um, good fit for television, um, and I think that's great. I still I still need to catch up with the Mandalorian first season. Um, haven't watched it out of just being busy with this other stuff and just in general it's like i want the hype to kind of fade out a little bit so that i can be a little more quiet yeah. headspace while watching it after you know being associated with that you know that for a long time um i i mean i don't know if i mean dude if i got a if dave filoni or somebody uh, over there called me up and was just like hey trank uh wouldn't this be funny if you i mean yeah i'd have to be i'd be a lunatic i'd be a true lunatic right. an actual uh certifiable lunatic to not um take him up on that but i don't personally see that playing out i can't really imagine why they would want to do that um because they they just have so much at stake um and I think that they're doing all the right moves. Like it's so cool that they brought on Robert Rodriguez, who's you know one of my heroes, and any yeah. any any filmmaker any filmmaker of my camera, his great book um, about you know essentially making El Mariachi by you know running credit cards and all kinds of stuff for sixteen thousand um, dollars. You know he's a, he's a hero. Like they're doing a lot of cool stuff with that, and you know I mean. I don't know. I think I think people have had enough of me with that shit anyway. You know, like yeah, I don't I think, would be, I don't think that would excite anybody. Although I appreciate the hypothetical, but I don't think that would excite anybody. Well, I, I don't know what it would be a little annoyed. But I mean, well, maybe right now as far as when when the headline itself, but there's a reason you were chosen for Boba Fett in the first place, right? I mean, it, it's I, mean, I I I may I maybe I think uh may may I feel on some level everybody was so excited about Chronicle when it came out, when it was fresh, that there was a massive risk that um, certain people were willing to take on me at the time. Um, and while I wouldn't argue with anybody like, hey, would I be suited to do a project like that? Like, I believe in myself. Of course, I would believe that that's something that I could do. And it's a direct in those kinds of projects it's a directing job at the end of the day you're stepping onto a ship that is you know already moving on its way yeah. whether or not you're you've arrived at the party so you know as a directing job yeah i certainly believe in myself and i that'd be you know awesome that would be fun but again like i just don't think that that would be the right move on their part if, if somebody thought like, Hey, wouldn't this be like an interesting thing to call Trank to do that? Because I just, maybe, maybe a little bit more time needs to pass yeah. before something like that would really make any sense. Um, but you know, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I it's it, star Wars belongs to everybody. It belongs to you. It belongs to me to be perfectly honest. I don't know if I, I, I think you are just as qualified to step in there and direct a Boba Fett uh, show or movie as I am because of the like 
you know, how much is uh, how much is Star Wars uh, had an impact on our childhoods? Right. You know, that like if there's one thing that everybody has in common, it's that Star Wars has affected our childhoods. Yeah. And that we grew up with the same mythology of Star Wars and uh, and and how much it means to us. And that was like, you know, the one thing that like like Star Wars, it's like there's religion and Star Wars, you know, like that that belongs the same to all of us. So uh, I, I don't know. I don't think I'm any more or less qualified than anybody else, probably less qualified than some. Well, I mean, I, think, I also think, you know, it's because of, like you said, things that had gone down in, in the past that people harp on at this point. But, yeah. you're, but, but what, what you've done now with this movie, I'm, so you're a very talented filmmaker, you're a storyteller, and I think that that's, okay. yeah, but that's what people are going to wind up seeing. And I, it, it is, man, it's, it's a what have you done for me lately type of business. It really is. And as you do more and more stuff, people are going to, like you said, with Tom Hardy and everybody on this film, they're like, I don't even know what the hell happened. What is he had a bad day? Dude, I got, I got, I got tons of right. shit screaming about a, a theme park. I got, I, I, it was, I was, was, yeah, galaxy's edge. It was a whole thing. And I, and I, and I felt that, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a a smidget of what you went through. Um, but like, I, you know, it, it, it sucks. You say, ah, why did I say that? I did this, I did that. And, and I got everywhere you go. It's like, you get someone saying something to you about it and you're like, that's what, that's what my, that's what my career is going to be now. This, and then you do other things and people remember you for that. And of course you get people here and there to throw things in there, but it's, it's, it's part, it's part of being human as part of the, the whole experience. But the reason I asked that thing about, like uh, Lucasfilm is because out of everything you've talked about with the stuff, I mean, it seemed like there was definitely things that went down badly on the Fox side of things. And then like, you know, the executives and Ben and just overall just wasn't a good experience altogether. It doesn't seem like that was the case as much with Lucasfilm as it was just like, they knew you knew that this was coming down the pike. You said the other day in that interview, you quit before you could get fired. And, and that, and that was it, but it didn't seem like, it didn't seem like there was any like bad blood between you and Lucasfilm. No, I don't know what it is. I don't know. uh, I don't know how the operation exists at this moment, but at the time you had Lucasfilm and then you had Disney and Lucasfilm is up in San Francisco They were operating almost as an independent studio that, you know, was kind of answering to Disney at the end of the day when it came down to like the big decisions. So um, where where I was, where everything kind of came down the pipeline, it was via Disney. So Mm. everybody that I was working with at Lucasfilm, it was as much of a surprise to them as it was to me in that respect, because the only work that. I had been doing at Lucasfilm was just purely creative and all of the people who uh, I worked with at Lucasfilm are people who I'm still very close friends with with today. We all had a lot of fun and um, I really treasure all of those memories that I had being up there, like no amount of bad press or shit storms or whatever the hell happened during all of that, which, you know, was, is what it is. Like none of that can take away the, the, the memories that I had of going to Lucasfilm for the first time, going to Skywalker Ranch for the first time and um, seeing a real life R2-D2 rolling around on the, on, on the ground at the office. And it, it was just so magical and fun and wonderful. And I, I don't ever want, you know, what, what happened to, to taint those memories. So I, regardless, I always have just a very, very, very special place in my heart. Um, for for Lucasfilm and everybody there, they're they're very sweet, cool, awesome, innovative people. Yeah, and that's why that's why I'd ask the hypothetical because I also think that you know, given enough time, and I think there's going to be tons of shows that they're doing for a while because I think well, we both agree that Star Wars is the medium of uh, television for that for that genre anyway, uh, or that IP I believe could really further the lore. So you never know. You make you make a a, a couple more movies and and have more conversations. Anything is obviously possible. I think anyway. But um, what's what do you think? Uh, with Capone, this thing comes out. I think people are going to really respond to it. Um, what do you What do you want to do? What do you want to do next? Do you, I mean, because like I mentioned, I know you wanted you said television, yes, but you said you're working on things with Tom. Do you have something kind of already planned out? Are you writing something new? Like, uh, what, what's what's the overall uh, goal and plan that you want to do next? I mean, I'm working on a like a a, a very um, passionate handful of things that I'm just focusing on. It, sort of day in day out and i'm very very excited about uh it would be good for i think it would be better for those projects to not go 
talk about them right now and go into details just because I'm still incubating on them and they're, you know, very cool. Uh, and uh, Tom is involved in pretty much all of them. Uh, one of them that's already been out there is uh, I've been working on this uh, really, really, really interesting story that I'm expanding into about a 10 episode uh, limited series called Blown, uh, which is about the sort of early, early, early heyday of the CIA mm. and when certain veteran members of the FBI left the FBI to form the CIA after World War II and um, things that uh, uh, had to do with Cuba and Fidel Castro, which is pretty much all that I want to say at this time. Right. But it's it's really it's a story that nobody has really gotten into before. And it's something that like Tom is really, really just feverishly excited about. So it's it, that that'll definitely be a very real thing at some point down the line. Can you say how you uh, decided that you wanted to approach that or would rather just stay away from that altogether right now? I'll stay away from it now. But like it's just it's a story that I. Uh, stumbled on about 10 years ago. And it is actually something that I'd been thinking about before Chronicle and is just, uh, I, I've been bringing it up every now and then to reps and various people along the way. But once um, my slate was kind of forcibly cleared by uh, circumstances that we've discussed ad nauseum uh, out in the world, um, uh, it just seemed to me like, it, well, this is, I have to do it. This is yeah. do, you, do you think you're going to be able to look back at this stuff though? Because I, I, I always say, you know, you can't, you, you're not able to really, you can't, you can't judge the past because you don't know what's going to happen in the future anyway. Right. So you think there's going to be a, a time where you go, thank God that shit happened. Cause look at all this stuff. Look at all. I mean, look at the already. If yeah. who knows if this relationship with, uh, with Tom Hardy happens, yeah. if, if that shit doesn't go down, you know, it, it, that's how I feel already. I mean, yeah. I'm grateful for all of it. Like, seems like a weird thing to say that you're grateful for something like that. I mean, uh, I've thought a lot about the time machine scenario and, um, I don't know if I can go back in a time machine and do all the things the right way that I didn't do the right way. I don't know. I don't know what the value of that would be right? because that's a, that would be more of a selfish type of a thing. Like I I don't know if I, maybe I wasn't the right person for this thing or that thing. And even if I had made the right choices, like I, I think the fact that I, I think the fact that fantastic four is now back at the, is, is, is with the MCU and with Kevin Feige and uh, whoever it is that's stepping into it. If it's, you know, uh, Peyton, that's amazing. I mean, and they're going to do something incredible with that, that the fans are going to be, so happy to finally have and finally see it's going to be a huge event i'm sure yeah i don't know anything about it obviously i'm not in the know anymore but i i'm excited for that i i wouldn't be so excited to hop into a time machine and just make a better version of what i was already doing to continue to keep that going on in the way that it was happening so i'm grateful for everything going down the way that it did because i've learned so much about myself in a way that I otherwise would have never learned and so much about the world in ways that I otherwise wouldn't have learned. Yeah. You, know, you mentioned Chronicle and, and, and work and um, obviously on, on Fantastic Four, both with, and you said very great words uh, in the past about Michael B. Jordan and working yeah. with him. Um, what's the relationship with, with Michael? Do you guys, are you, do you still keep in contact? Is that, if so, is that some, is that someone that you would uh, again like to uh, maybe potentially do something with in, in the future? Yeah. I love Michael B. Jordan. I mean, he's, you know, from the first day that I met him, when we were doing auditions for Chronicle, we just similar to, similarly to like how, what I, how I described meeting Tom Hardy. He's just one of those people I just clicked with instantaneously. And um, he's always family to me. He's always a friend. Um, we keep in touch. Uh, you know, he's got a lot going on. Uh, I love the guy. If there was ever the right project for he and for him and I to uh, collaborate on, I mean, I'd be there in a heartbeat. Um, I have enormous respect for him and I'm just so proud of him for, you know, really turning into the movie star that I always knew he was going to become. So it's really cool. Like it was amazing to see him in black Panther and to see Ryan just, you know, take his career to the heights that he, he has, like, it's, it's really cool. So, yeah. Um, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that you guys are still in contact and, um, yeah. 
So the uh, last thing I wanted to ask you before we get you out of here um, in regards to Capone, one of the, I think the things that, you know, you had mentioned before that, you know, it's not going in theaters, but then the Academy had said um, that they're going to mention, they're going to actually acknowledge streaming movies now because they, they have to. Um, this is, this is something that I think is a, is a big, you know, I would assume uh, it's a big thing for filmmakers, especially with a movie like this and, you know, watching where Tom goes and watching like he, he like he is not you cannot watch this movie and find Tom Hardy in this movie. He's not he's Tom Hardy right. not in this movie. If, this, yeah. if I were to say, look, I'm an advocate of this movie to the day I die, of course, yeah. you know, like I love this movie. I will, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll I, will, I will take it to the mat for Tom Hardy's performance. I think that he deserves every Oscar that they can manufacture in the Oscar factory. Right. Yep. Um, I don't, it's hard for me to tell like if this is an Oscar type of a movie, because it is like, you know, it's, it kind of, we go, we go against the grain in some very, very specific ways that you don't often really see celebrated by the Oscars. It's a ballsy. It's a, yeah, it's a very ballsy movie. I, I just, I don't, uh, it, it would be obviously, like I've said, like, I mean, the same idea if like, if I, Dave Filoni rang me up and was like, Hey, you want to do this thing on, on that? It would be amazing to be, uh, for, to see Tom being recognized, um, by the Academy for this or for anything that he's done because he deserves it. And he's so incredible. Um, but I, it, it's not one of those things where I'm waking up in the morning going like, uh, trying to win an Oscar or something right. like I, I'd much rather be, you know, playing with uh, dangerous ideas in, in cinema and in fiction and exploring them in a way that doesn't feel constrained by, you know, the sort of like prestigious vibes that a, a lot of these kinds of movies seem to, to need to have in them. And, you know, there, there's sort of like an anti-prestigious vibe about Capone which yeah. is something that is very purposeful, you know, and kind of like, you know, sort of rebellious way. I agree. And that's why, because of the, uh, where we're at right now with, uh, again, because of COVID and everything too. And because of the, there, there's, there's certain movies that aren't coming out. There's other things like it's going to put a focus for the Academy. I believe on movies like this to say like, guess what? You don't get those, those movies that you, that you thought that you wanted, that you have to look for those particular, you know, whatever it's a pretentious thing or whatever it is inside of it. You've got to look at these movies now that are a little more raw. You got to look at them right now because that's what we got. And we're looking at, and when people and the and the audience is responding to it, so I'm hoping that it shines a light on movies like this because I told you I didn't know what to expect watching the movie. I didn't know what I was gonna because I, I knew that it wasn't gonna be um, the Capone movie, uh, you know, the, his origin or what happened or him coming, you know, Brooklyn or Chicago. I knew none of that was gonna happen, but I didn't know. And I think that because you tell right in the beginning, this is the last year of his life. This is the movie. You're in, you're out, uh, and and that set up. It's 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 a really good movie, dude, and I, and, I, and you should be proud of it. I'm glad you obviously are. Uh, I wanted to thank you for joining me here because um, I, I think this is a story for people to pay attention to, and not not just the, the movie itself, but your story. I think what you've what you've gone through, the way that you've embraced it, the way that you've admitted um, that you did some something wrong, you've apologized for some things, you've also come back and pulled force and said, look. Uh, I, I'm a creator. I want to tell stories. I want to tell the stories I want. And I think that people should pay attention to this. And I and I am grateful that uh, that you and I were able to talk and that you wanted to share your story here with me today. So thank you for that. Of course, Christian. And it's uh, always fun talking to you. I'd love to come on anytime. Just talk about movies and just in general. It's I think this is great. And like I've said, you know, I I would be annoyed if I had to, if I wasn't me and I'd hear like uh, the, you know, all these like incoming stories about me all the time. I'm just, I just hope that if there's in any way, if, if in any way my story or any of my perspective that I have on anything that's gone down is helpful for young filmmakers, that's what's most important to me. Um, and, you know, if you're going through anything in your life, uh, whether it be, you know, uh, dealing with memories of child abuse and, things like that. And, you know, things that you're uncomfortable talking about, like, just know that if there's one thing I could really go back in a time machine is to tell myself that uh, it's okay to talk about, uh, it's okay to talk about things. 
you know, and that, you, you know, uh, mental health is like, you can't stress enough how important mental health is because mental health is something that affects every single one of us. There's no such thing as a fully healthy person that is just has never dealt with anything before. Relatively speaking, every, all of us have dealt with some form of abuse or some horrible memories that have traumatized us. And as long as, you know, we can be honest with ourselves and not worry about how any of that would, you know, you know, who cares what people think about you, you know, like you, you, it's, it's just good to find a, a place where you can be at peace with your life and other people. Yeah, man. I'm glad. And again, thank you for sharing that today. And I'm glad that you that you were able to come through that. I know that's a lot when it's, when it comes to all this pressure and the high pressure stuff and reaching success at such a stage in your life and then having still dealing with that. Um, thanks for sharing that. And thank you for sharing that with other people. So they also know that there, there, there is a way, there is a way to, get it out there, express it. And, um, and, you know, don't be, don't be ashamed of it because it's, 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 um, you can, you can fight back from it. Yeah. Don't repress it or let it build up because it'll just manifest itself in ugly ways that could otherwise be avoided. So anyway, yeah. Thanks brother. I really, yeah. On that that note, look, the movie again, it's Capone, the Capone and it comes out. It's tomorrow on VOD. We're here on the 11th. So if you're watching this on replay or listening it onto it on Apple, it's probably out right now. I highly, highly recommend this movie. Uh, it is a, it is an absolute, uh, it's, 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 Bat shit in the best possible way. Uh, it is, it, and and what I mean by that is when you watch Tom Hardy and what he does, you get it. You get what Josh is going for. You get what Tom uh, is doing here too. And you watch what this man who was on the high. I mean, this was the most uh, famous gangster ever. They never even got him. They never got him for any crimes. They had to get him on taxes, right? So it's really his demons inside. He looks eighty-seven years old in the movie. He was forty-seven years old in the last year of his life, forty-eight. Um, so. Yeah, so so go ahead, check this movie out. Josh Trank, dude, thank you so much for joining us. Christian Harloff, thank you for having me. Later.